0: Welcome to the 10th summoning of the Chasing the Dragon Gaming podcast. I'm your host, Andres. And I'm Ryan. So, the first topic we're going to discuss today,
1: I want to start with a question. So, why, when I say that I was playing board games, let's say on a Sunday afternoon or even in uh, like Saturday evening, uh, people often, why do they often uh, seem to react as if I was just wasting my time or Kind of, I, I kind of get the impression that they think that, oh, why would you be doing that? It's kind of silly. It's kind of something for kids. Games are for kids. Um, so that's that's a question that I'd like to start with. And I think, when I think of that, it, it kind of um, makes me feel a bit, um, well, self-conscious. And you kind of, you feel a little, you can feel a little stupid. Um, but I think... I think it's more than that. I I get angry sometimes because I think what I'm doing is social, first of all, and um, it's an active activity. It's, it is an activity, whereas something like watching TV, which I think most other people would be like, that's what they were doing. Instead, for instance, t- television is um, probably the most common pastime that people have now, especially alone. And... Um,
0: um, I've never had this experience, personally. I mean, whenever I tell people I've been playing games, I, I've never really been met with this, oh, you were doing what? But it's possibly because my social circle is much smaller than yours, and most people that I know, if they don't play games, like, you know, fairly actively, they have played games in the past, and that they, to them, it's not a new thing, and it's not a weird thing. Um, But I, I, I would agree with you that, you know, it, it is a more active kind of thing. I personally would prefer playing a game than watching a TV. That's not to say I don't enjoy watching uh, a show or a movie every now and then. <clears throat> of course I do. But you know, I, I think it'd be really interesting if what if what if uh, the past the largest pastime people's largest kind of hobby and pastime was you know playing a game instead of you know watching like a two-hour three-hour show or like a five-hour block of TV. You know, why not sitting and playing like a cool big five-hour game or something?
1: For me, I think it also comes down to the fact that um, if you're not doing what people see as productive, then it is a waste of time. So, um, like, if I was going to tell someone, oh, last Saturday, for, which I did last Saturday, I went to a protest and we protested a, um, a racist um, political party from at a, a speech they were giving. And if you post something, let's say, on Facebook, and it's political, and, uh, and it's or or it's like informative, or it's saying something about society or culture. Then people are going to be really um, they might disagree with it or they might agree with it. But it's different than if you if I post like like let's say a picture of myself playing a board game. I I really I get I still I, I really get that impression that people are don't see it as as worthwhile and I think it comes down to the fact that it's it's like a leisure activity it's like a free time activity and if you have free time if you if you're not doing something like I said productive um, then it, it's a waste of time and you're seen as lazy kind of also uh, I maybe maybe that's a little bit more so in American culture where there is this um, obsession with um, hard work, like that kind of Protestant work ethic, that uh, America was founded on, but I think that um, for me, I think it's important for people to develop more and more. It's important for people to develop more and more meaningful, person like personally meaningful leisure activities that they can do. That it's not just passive. And I also, you know, enjoy watching TV but i think that it's a that's a very passive experience you can watch tv and learn things you can watch documentaries and learn things about society or history and that that's great too and it's also great to just enjoy watching television for humor laughing is great i love watching game of thrones it's um that can be very stimulating too but not in the same way as some, some something that you do that is active like playing board games you're, you're stimulating your mind. Um, it's also socially stimulating, interacting with people
0: in a way that you don't do with television. Now then, as board games are coming into this kind of more mainstream culture, uh, do you feel like that, that perce- hopefully that perception will change very soon? That instead of it being seen as like a waste of time, that they'll be like, oh, cool, yeah. I mean most, for me mo- most of my friends like I said already play games so I don't really have that reaction from most people I know but
1: yeah I do have a pretty wide social circle and have a lot of different friends who do a lot of different things I do ha- I do have a lot of friends also that that play games but it's it's one of the difficult things is when you are in a, a mixed social situation with four or more people um there are just uh, there it's often that there's going to be someone there who doesn't want to play a game even if everyone else wants to play a game then you can't and i think that's one of the difficulties with that whereas if you're just sitting around you have you've had dinner like let's say you're you're at your home you have invited some people over you've had dinner and you can either just sit around and have like you know a couple drinks and talk or play a game which is maybe more demanding of people's attention and kind of brains than what they want to do I mean you could play like much more casual games as well and I think that there's games for kind of every sort of social situation and that's one thing that maybe to be aware of that if you're with a more casual group of people who aren't gamers you don't want to let's let's say bring out a, a, a more complicated game like Mage Knight or, or something that well we're going to learn rules for like three hours and then we'll play the game but but let's talk about um one thing you said, Andres, was this gaming board gaming culture is becoming more mainstream, more normalized, perhaps, so so that uh, people don't i think I think you're right, I think the perception of it is changing
0: a bit. And I think that mainly has to do with gamers like you yourself, um, you know, spreading gaming to some of their other social circles. So then you have people coming in from outside social circles going like, oh, I played this really interesting game called like, Ticket to Ride or Carcassonne. I want to go buy that. And then they start you know, being fed in and start chasing the dragon, as it were.
1: Well, at least they've noticed the dragon. I don't know if they're chasing it yet. One of the things on television that is really working towards normalizing gaming culture, uh, maybe it's debatable, but is the television show Big Bang Theory. And I I really like the show. Um, I think it's just a it's just a typical sitcom. There's nothing really special about that. But if you want to laugh at something, you can laugh. You know. <laughs> um, so anyways, but with Big Bang Theory, almost every single show, the characters sit down and play a game. They play board games, they play role playing games, and they play computer games, or video games, I guess more so. And for me, it it does normalize it. It, it sh- because first of all, when the, it's it's one of the most popular shows on television, and it has been for five or six years. The show is a little older, but, um. And people like the characters; they become attached emotionally attached to the characters, and so when someone you're emotionally attached to does uh, something like play board games. And um, you, it, I think it just lends you to become more open and favorable towards your with your opinion towards it.
0: Uh, I agree, it, um, it, especially because people sit and watch and are mesmerized by the TV. Then they see, oh, they're playing games. It's that's not that weird after all. Or well, or maybe they think the opposite. Oh, these guys are weirdos and they're playing games. Ha ha ha. To me, what what's doing a better job of bringing a more kind of outside audience and normalizing cult, uh, uh, games to for an outside audience is um, Will Wheaton's Tabletop Show on YouTube. For those of you, um, for everyone, I'm sure, who has seen it, you know, Will Wheaton's Tabletop Show is a show on YouTube where Will Wheaton will play different board games with different kind of celebrity guests. So, you know, when I watched the first and second season, I thought, I'm not the target audience for this at all. It's very much geared towards people like going like, "Oh, hey, you know your favorite stars from Mad Men and Big Bang and all those other TV shows. Well, guess what? They're playing board games." So, you know, that's to me what that show is really is what that show is really about and trying to teach people and bring more people into the hobby um which I think is doing a lot of good. Uh and I think it's it, that's helping more change people's perception and normalizing games for people Uh, and and i think it's a good thing and so much so that i even contributed to the kickstarter for season three thinking that well you know yeah i can help and contribute and make this happen again because it's it's actually doing a good positive thing yeah i I think that's good i
1: but i don't know the numbers but i'm sure the number of people that watch that versus big bang theory is is probably a hundred times less but maybe more but I, I, and I think the two are very tied together because Will Wheaton is on The Big Bang Theory, and so for me that 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 was how I kind of heard about that tabletop was because of Will Wheaton and Big Bang Theory. I actually had never heard of Will Wheaton before.
0: You were not a next generation fan.
1: One of the things I want to mention about Big Bang Theory actually uh, points to the problem in the culture, and I think it really illustrates the topic that we're discussing today it's um whenever they do play games a lot of the other some of the other characters on the show and um here i think there's uh, i have a problem with big bang theory is that it kind of um genderizes gaming and, and but maybe that is actually a reflection of of gaming culture is that it's so <clears throat> male dominated and um it's can kind of be inaccessible to women sometimes and we've talked about that before on our show But um, whenever someone is playing, they say, oh, I've been playing Dungeons & Dragons, or we were playing this this board game. A lot of, like, for instance, the character Penny, she uh, will be like, "Uh, really, that's lame. I'm going to be drinking, you know, something like that instead. Um, And even the other women on the show who are scientists and very uh, geeky themselves, they even say, oh, that's like... Star Wars, or that stupid, or any of these kind of um, geeky culture things that the males on the show like, they really kind of put it down and they kind of mock it in a lot of ways. But sometimes it's it's positive, where I I, I think um, some of the female characters join in on the games. The one episode where um, the males were playing Dungeons and Dragons, and um, the women were going to. Las Vegas, but then their trip got canceled, and then they came back, and they ended up playing Dungeons and Dragons too, and they ended up really enjoying it. And um, so I guess that's positive, showing that it can be fun. But um, but what do you think? Have you seen the show at all? And what do you what do you think about the the way that it's that that the gaming culture is presented?
0: I watched like the first and second season of The Big Bang, and I don't remember much about it. It's been a while. Uh, I'm not, I'm not as big of a Big Bang fan as you are. Uh, I do remember that they played Talisman in one episode. It was an older edition. It wasn't the newer fourth edition that's currently available. I know that, that stuck out to me. I remember noticing that. And then I don't remember any jokes that were made or if it was even mentioned or addressed. I think it might've just been, oh, they've happened to have been playing Talisman. I do remember, uh, one episode I do remember though was that they played, um, Catan and they were making the whole wood for sheep joke. Um, that that I don't remember much of that episode of the rest of the joke cuz I don't I don't care for the show myself but I do think in a way it's a positive thing that they're showing you know games but over the course of however many seasons
1: it, it's been they I think they've probably played um 20 or 30 games board games that you've seen um, them playing some episodes it's three or four even so I think that's great to just show the the variety of Games that are out there for some people to realize that it's not just Monopoly and Trivial Pursuit that you can do play games with. Um, I think that the way they play sometimes is is pretty silly, and in and, and that in that sense, it can make it. it I think they kind of um, they definitely um, they definitely help to perpetuate the stereotype of what a board gamer or a role player is. And that's one of the problems I have with it. But then again, because the the characters are so likable and you are attached to the characters, maybe that counteracts that a bit, but I don't think so. Most people who are watching the show will identify with Penny as someone who um, doesn't understand um, uh, theoretical physics, for instance. I mean, most people do not understand theoretical physics or neurobiology. So we're supposed to be kind of stupefied by the things they say and in some ways um, in a lot of ways the gaming culture is put into the same category as experimental physics or whatever Uh, so so it's seen as this kind of elitist uh, like intellectually elitist thing where you have to be
0: really super smart to to play these games i think as gamers we can do a lot to really try to like help and normalize them you know bring outside people into gaming and i think uh in my case we definitely we definitely have you and i ryan um i know for a fact there's been times where we've gamed uh at larry's corner uh, larry's corner gotten 35 i'm sure larry would like that plug um is a, a little neighborhood curiosity shop where our, our friend is the owner and we played games there a couple times and uh, every, whenever we get a chance we play like games there every Sunday and there's been there have been occasions where we've started gaming and people walk by or uh, artists who uh, Larry has like doing art exhibits at, at the store have wanted to join us and have joined us for games and I think that's a really positive and good thing you know like this is we we just invite them for friendly and we let anyone kind of join in and jump in in our games that does a lot to help like spread gaming culture, you know uh, that artist that 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 particular guy later on actually then ended up going to Sci-Fi and buying the copy of the game we played.
1: I think the culture is changing and is going to change, especially with the renaissance of board games starting in the mid '90s, right? Or a little bit later, it really started to pick up, and I, I think that's going to be great. And one of, one of the reasons for this is that people are reacting against this over. Digitalization of our lives, so that we have all of these devices that we're just attached to. They're not attached to us; we're attached to them, and that people are reacting against that in a lot of a lot of the same ways. I think that it uh, around the middle of the 19th, end of the 19th century, a lot of people reacted against the industrialization, the industrial revolution people felt like very dehumanized. For instance, if you see the movie Metropolis by Fritz Lang, it shows this dystopian world where people are basically have just become machines and um, we that people really fought against that. There are movements like the arts and crafts movement, which were specifically reacting to this uh, over-industrialization and uh, kind of ro- roboticization of people, even though it was before robots Um but um i I think that it's 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 in a lot of ways very similar, and I think people do want to have this more social experience and they want to think in like an analog way sometimes because um you don't want to become a slave to these devices the computers and so forth and i and I think that board gaming role playing can is one of the best things that you can do i mean there's also, you could do, like, physical activity, like rock climbing or whatever, and that, those things are great as well. Those stimulate your body, so why not also do things that stimulate your mind? Not just in an intellectual way, but in a social way, too, which both both of them
0: are important. I'll agree with you, though, with that. that um, yeah, I hope that gaming becomes more widespread. It does seem like it's happening, and uh, I like watching it develop, and I like seeing... Uh, different coworkers of mine who like a year ago had maybe played some games with their family before but are now like buying games and collecting themselves or just when I whenever I, I meet people like at work who are just getting into the hobby and they keep coming back and like oh I want more tell me more of this and oh I heard about this game do you have that and th- th- that's really exciting to me just seeing how the communities that grow and you know uh when you find out about new stores and you find out about new groups and clubs that are starting to pop out around around Stockholm stuff like that, you know, especially where we live, one thing that I hope that changes is the
1: behaviors within the gaming culture, and I think it can it has often lent lent itself to a kind of isolationist and it's very off putting for people who are from the outside and coming in but now there's there are there has been a large influx of people. For instance, who who got into gaming through tabletop, with Will Wheaton, um, or have just maybe been exposed through people like us, like friends who say, "Hey, let's play a game tonight. Why don't you come over, and let's play Ticket to Ride, something pretty simple," and then they get really hooked on that, and maybe they want to start trying new games and more games, uh, or maybe some maybe a lot of people also played games when they were younger in their teens, and uh, then put them aside and but but then are starting to rediscover that games aren't just for kids and w- what we c- what can we do in an adult social situation and, and incorporate games and it doesn't have to be like the whole evening but i, I think that what are some of these behaviors that you've noticed that are really uh, kind of um, restricting the kind of gaming culture becoming more normalized
0: well growing up um going to the Wizards of the Coast store and stuff like that, or even Game Empire back in San Diego. Um, a lot of them... Well, let's just put it out there. A lot of the magic players in San Diego are not the friendliest people in the world. Uh, they're quite rude, mean, and they can be kind of bullyish and uh, condescending, would be a good word to put, put them. Not all, of course. There are nice people out there, of course, out there, but it seems that, like, um, a lot, of, especially tournament player, the uh, tournament Magic the Gathering players, were primarily unpleasant. You know, I can even include myself in this list as well. You know, I was a bastard at the time too.
1: I, I think if you can imagine, let's say the comic book guy in The Simpsons. Uh, if you've if you've ever seen that, the way that when someone enters the his store and they ask a question, and his response is. I can't believe you're so stupid to ask that question
0: it it's elitist it's just kind of like nerdy kind of cultural elitist
1: yeah it it's it's a condescend condescending and um that's that's an attitude that really puts people off of course but I think there's a lot of people out there now that are are gamers and have been gamers for a long time that are older like like me i'm I'm gonna be 40 this year and there's a lot of people. Like me, who gamed a lot when they were younger, and then maybe didn't game for some years, like a decade or something or more, and now have gotten back into it a lot. And um, I think no one my age, or not not as many people my age, are going to be are going to act like that because they've they've learned how to. Um, I mean, they're not socially dysfunctional as much anymore. That's that's basically what it is. It's it's learning how to become socially functional. So, but I, maybe that's why in the past a lot of people have gravitated towards gaming because they, they aren't very socially functional and they go into this world where maybe it's, it wasn't as important or you can kind of be someone else in some ways uh, and you can win and you can be successful and f- feel good about yourself but then they haven't learned how to interact with other people on a more human level outside of the gaming experience so, but I think that's changing. I, th- I think it's changing as the population gets older uh, because d- certainly my parents' generation, n- not very many of them are gamers, I would say. Maybe there's like a very, very small um, group that are, were really into wargaming because they were really interested in history and so forth. And so they got into these more um, complex wargames.
0: And wargamers are world-renowned for being unpleasant. Uh, but yeah, no things. Are, I I do feel things are changing because you know a wider influx of people from different um, social backgrounds are coming into gaming, and you know what people can only do is be more respectful to one another, and that's what's happening. I feel. But nowadays, I don't. I, I think a good gaming store or a good gaming environment knows to be welcome and knows to like yeah, you know everyone's welcome to hear here, here at this gaming table. I love situations in which we're playing and then we see random people that are either asking us questions as to what we're doing or wanting to join in. Like a couple of times at the bar, you know, we're playing like maybe like a light thing like Flux or like Citadels. And people are like, what is that? that that's that's not – those aren't like spades, clubs, and hearts. That's not like a regular card deck. What what kind of – what is this? What are you doing? And I love when that happens. That's really interesting. And it's really cool to see that you can – that little kernel in people's eyes that are like starting to like, oh – you know, this isn't a weird thing. This, you know, otherwise they would just look at us and just think, "Oh, crazy people, not asked." They wouldn't be interested, and they wouldn't want to know.
1: But, but I still think that it really says something that if you're playing a game, people, I think if if you see someone playing a game, you're more you're gonna you're more likely to go up to them and say, "Oh, what is that game you're playing?" But if if they weren't playing a game, they're just sitting there,
0: you wouldn't even think about going up and be like, "Hi, how you doing?" So, Ryan. What do you feel like you've done personally to help, you know, push and to either bring people in or to, like, normalize or just, like, change people's perceptions? We began this episode by you saying that, like, you know, you're very frustrated by the fact that when you tell people you game, some people are just like, you did what? Ooh. When faced with that situation in which someone gives you that kind of reaction, what do you do? What do you say? One thing I've done is I've got this podcast. We talk about gaming. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh no shit. Tell me more. No but but it's true. It, that that actually has has been a big thing because um we use Facebook a lot to and and like I have 800 friends on Facebook or so. And um it gets sent out to everyone. They not, not everyone sees it or responds obviously and not very many of them. But uh but you know quite a few uh, you know between 30 and 50 of my friends have subscribed or liked our Facebook page for chasing the dragon and uh that that's great and i I think that you know if I post pictures of myself playing games you know often alone that uh may I think people would have that reaction like oh that's that's kind of lame um or if you're uh, playing games alone, it's kind of sad, you know whatever, but um I think you just have to but that's okay because it's showing. That um, you know, I'm a fairly normal guy. Um, people, not everyone, but some some people tend to like me, and uh, so so it's, it's I'm not like the kind of typical gamer that you would that you would that people think of.
0: No, uh, I mean when I first met you, uh, I was definitely shocked that you played games. You know, I met you and I thought you were oh here's a you know an intellectual, a teacher, a filmmaker, uh, a hipster. And um <laughs> and and um I, 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 when then I brought up the fact that I got a job at Sci-Fi and like oh I buy games from there like you play games when did that happen and then I think we brought it up to our friend Larry and Larry Larry was like oh he he probably plays like chess and backgammon no he was he he's into D and D and he wants to play uh, Runebound and stuff like that and we were all kind of shocked like we no one had no one had knew the side of Ryan I guess
1: yeah I had actually bought ruinbound before I met you
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah and 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 i have uh, i'm i'm gonna announce something here something very exciting. I'm going to start a Facebook campaign with uh pictures um documenting my times playing games by myself alone, not solo um and this is what I'm gonna do um you know what people like. People like really cute dogs. I have a really cute dog, um, Leo. And uh, I said, I'm going to have a a campaign where I play board games by myself. And I have my dog, Leo, as if he's playing with me. I think people are going to love that. And so I think that's something very little. But I think a lot more people
0: will want to look at those pictures because there's a cute dog in there and you're going to call it Ryan plays with himself. And also if you don't get enough likes, Leo will be hurt. I'm not I won't be playing with myself anymore because I'll be playing with my dog Leo. Okay.
1: And uh I I'll have to I'll have to let him win a couple times otherwise he'll get a little sad
0: and okay. and bite me. So Ryan moving on to something a little bit different but maybe tied into our conversation here is um summer's approaching and this typically is board gaming season. Conventions are starting up, uh, announcements are coming. We have Origins, Gen Con, and Essen following one another. Um, this is the time of year where there's all the news and all the buzz about games. What do you hope to hear, and what do you think is good to hear? What, what, like in a last year that where gaming kind of blew up and tabletop blew up, and you know, uh, I could tell you from a retailer standpoint, publishers will know this shit because um stuff like Betrayal House of the Hill was f- out of print for a while because it was sold out on every single lever, even down to the publisher level so they had to reprint entire new, entire new shipments games like let's say Terra Mystica they underestimated the quantity of it there's the whole controversy with Marvel Dice Duel and WizKids that that everyone's discussing right now that they're that they were severely un, un, under published because um WizKids was kids was, un, was d- didn't really perceive the actual demand as well as they did because they were probably thinking in terms of numbers of this is like last year, this is the year before and they didn't think, wow, the gaming world is much bigger than we actually thought because it's gotten so large. So at this critical moment and crucial like time for, you know, this is where announcements are made or decisions are probably already been made as to what's going to be released and stuff like that. But this is when things are going to announce. What do you hope to hear? Um, What do you hope to hear about from publishers, from organizers, from distributors, What do you want to hear for for the convention season?
1: I'm not going to talk about specific games or expansions that I want to see, but uh, what I'd really like is several kind of um, different, a, a different focus or new mechanics or what direction that I think would be really interesting. And one thing, one direction I think would be really interesting to go towards is follow up on this trend, this it's kind of a fad of cooperative games, which I think has been really great. What I what I'd really be excited to see is a development towards team games. Um, so so team games. What what I'm thinking about is, for instance, I really like Game of Thrones, but uh, and we we just went through this whole campaign of Risk Legacy. So I I think that one of my problems with it is is the. Okay, one of the things I think you really like about them is one of the things that turns me off a little bit about them. For me, I think negotiation and diplomacy are interesting. But um, I don't know, I guess I have a, a couple hang-ups. And one of my hang-ups is when people do these negotiations or diplomacy off the table, where it's like more personal and it's, it's not about just, just about the game. Um, maybe other people don't see it like that as much, but for me, it goes back to when I was younger, like 10 years old to 15 playing games with my best friend, Russ and his brother, Paul, his brother was four years older than us. And, um, the two of them, and I didn't know this, but like, I basically never won a a single game with them over like a six year period. If you can imagine, we played like almost every week. So I probably won one or two games, Right. Um, and uh, so so like winning isn't really that important to me I know you say it is but it's not but um, losing all the time can be depressing I mean it's depressing for anyone so for me like ideally I would win one out of three or four games and I'd, I'd be super super happy um, that was my problem with Risk Legacy which was I won two games out of 15 and that's just too depressing I think Okay so 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 my hang up is with this um it was the two those the two of them Russ and Paul they and I found this out like 15 years later from Russ he said yeah we the two of them would decide they say like okay we would team up and knock Ryan out and
0: then we would fight to see who would win so that's why I never won any of those games that's not diplomacy though that's just like that's just two guys just being ungraceful ungraceful hosts and just being like a bad gaming group uh diplomacy i think is more like in the middle of a game where you're making decisions and you're negotiating between someone that's that's not negotiating diplomacy that's just two guys essentially being terrible friends or or being 10 year olds i mean come on (laughs) sorry i missed the age 10 okay well no that's a little more understandable Going back to uh, what you'd like to see develop then, so what? what's... But
1: basically what I say is I I really like a, a type of game that is like um, the Game of Thrones board game. But for me, I I I'm maybe I'm a little oversensitive about how people make deals and how they do that. And for me, I really see it too much as people are saying like, it's personal, you know? They make deals that have nothing to do with the game. It's just like, oh, if you... You know, I I guess I I don't know. I mean, that's what I'm trying to say is that I'm I'm a little bit oversensitive with that. I love those type of games, but that's I have a problem with that because of my own personal experiences. So that's why I'd like to see a development towards uh, team games. I think like Axis and Allies is a great example of that, where you have two teams with three um, with with three three players, basically three countries. And, and they play against each other. And there's, there's basically no diplomacy, but there's still a lot of player interaction because you do, I guess there is some sort of diplomacy because the people on each team have to kind of collaborate with each other. And so that's really interesting to me. So I, and I think that that's very, very under, un, underdeveloped in the gaming world is using teams um, as a so it's this kind of semi cooperative teams and that's that's something I would really really love to see developed in in, in gaming this year.
0: That's cool. Uh, I, I, now that I think about it, we don't really have any team. Well, we have a couple team games in our collection, but yeah, the, a, a good couple of team games would be nice to see this year. So
1: you you you're you're a little bit more uh, on the pulse of what's happening in the in the gaming world because you work in a game store, so you know. Uh, what you're ordering and what's what's hot what are people buying so what are some things that you're expecting maybe maybe you can say more specific expansions and stuff that you're excited to see
0: or or would hope to mainly what i'm hoping for is publishers and distributors to actually get the numbers right because more often than not like uh, a good example is something like takanoko the panda game that alex loves um you know there was a, a massive demand for it, and because from the publisher level there wasn't enough printed, there was never enough of the game around. And same thing with something like Terra Mystica. Terra Mystica was very sought for, sought after at the beginning of the year because um, Z-Man Games grossly underestimated the demand for it because they were thinking, well, it's a heavy euro game, and you know how do these things sell? So we'll publish out the numbers from like the la- from like two years ago of like a heavy euro game, and that was completely wrong because the demand for it was much higher um uh that what i would hope for is for publishers and distributors to more or less get get that more correctly in terms of games in general i i don't know i'm happy to see anything that comes out i'm a little bit worried at the fact that i'm seeing the collectible market come back there is marvel dice duels was as a collectible game uh um, the my little pony collectible card game uh, which oddly enough seems to get um Success here and there, uh, or at least it has a following. There's the Adventure Time card game, which has has some buzz surrounding it, and whispers and rumors of the of uh, the World of Warcraft card game returning due to the success of Hearthstone, the digital card game, Digi- digital implementation of the World of Warcraft card game. So, I, I'm nervous at that idea, the fact that that, that collectible coming back, because. I don't. Uh, I I personally have moved away from the collectible aspect of kind of games. I no longer play Magic the Gathering uh, as in a collectible way. I no longer go to. I no longer buy box after box of booster boxes. I no longer go to drafts and stuff like that, um, for several reasons. And I and I was happy when the collectible market died. People moved onto the LCG kind of format or core game with expansion format. So that makes me a little nervous. I would prefer. To see that that I'd like to see that a stop but I can see why it's happening too because with larger numbers and influx of, of more people then well what are publishers going to do go collectible but I think you made a, re-
1: a really good point about the industry letting down um, kind of like the industry is shooting itself in the foot and it could be de- it could be developing and growing so much bigger so this ties into our first conversation today whereas I think that the the gaming Culture could be spreading more, because people want to be buying these games, and and there's you know millions upon millions of people who really want to be playing board games, and they are. But I think it could be spreading faster and becoming even more popular if um, if the companies could could meet these demands.
0: Two more things I'd like to also say is that, or see I should say, is you know there is a big market for. Introduction games, in other words, you know, first step games, and I think those positions are filled. Like we have the we have the right introduction games. There's Carcassonne. There's Ticket to Ride. Um, there's even like I think Pandemic is a good you know introduction games. I want a good like I want more like step two games, games that will introduce different kind of themes and mechanics, but are you know a little bit meatier than like let's say your Ticket to Ride. I think Shadows of Camelot fits into that category. You know, it's a game that has you know, deduction, negotiation it has strategy. It has puzzle solving, it has luck. You know, like I want, I, I want more games and fit that category. Just that little, that that slight nudge above casual. I'd like to see that from some publishers. And um, after finishing 15 games of Risk Legacy, I want more Legacy games. I want more Legacy games. I don't care what what the game, fucking Castle Panic Legacy. I don't care. Make it. It might be terrible, but I mean, like, just just make it. I want more legacy games. Currently, uh, in May of 2014, there are whispers of a uh, of Seafall being released at Gen Con. Um, I hope these whispers are true, as well as I hope the other whispers of Matt Leacock and Rob Davio collaborating together on a pandemic legacy would be really, really interesting, I feel, especially if they find a way to, like... If, if that means that the difficulty will increase every game, oh, that'd be so cool. That would be really... Uh, le- legacy games are, are something I really hope a lot of other publishers get into, and I really hope Rob Davia doesn't have like a monopoly on it, because one man can't just design all the legacy games I want to play.
1: I'm one of the only people that's not a big fan of Pandemic, mm. but I think that if it were a legacy
0: game, I think I'd be much more interested in playing it then, for sure. You know what someone has to really get on? Did you ever see Groundhog Day with Bill Murray? The Groundhog Day Legacy Board Game. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is that's kind of like a legacy movie. You know what one last thing I want to say before we you know we get it, we move we move out of here. One last thing I want to say for this this season of conventions is I want us to go to Essen. Yeah, we're going to do it. It's uh
1: it's going to be my birthday present. My birthday is in the beginning of October. And um well, it's it just coincides with them. And I'm going to be 40, so it's going to be a great thing to... You know.
0: we're, we're, we're going to shoot for it. We're going to hope. And then wouldn't it be great if we can like get like interviews with with, with Vlada Chaval and uh, other designers and Christian Peterson from Fantasy Flight and um, oh, even Tom Vassal I'd be happy to have on the mic for a second. Well, this concludes another summoning of the Chasing the Dragon Gaming podcast. We hoped that you enjoyed this particular episode. When we began, we had only a sliver of an idea of what we were going to record, and I feel like, as always, Ryan, we w- the magic happened.
1: Yes, and that sliver went into our skin and bled out a lot of really interesting conversation. Yeah, so um, we'll see you next, next time in two weeks, and it's going to be, as always, super
0: awesome. Yes, once again, we have no idea what, although we hope that uh, in the medium between those two weeks, we might have a small another cantrip episode of something that we're trying to plan out. We won't tell you what in case it doesn't. In case it all falls if, if it all falls through if scheduling doesn't work out. We hope to have another small little interview with some special guests maybe next week.
1: I think it's going to work out, and I'll give you a little clue about what the topic is. And it, the topic relates a little bit. I know this is our conclusion, but the topic relates a little bit to what uh, you asked about what you like to see in the next years, next year, and and it has to do with uh, uh, kind of very local small game designers uh getting their games out in some way. So this is this is going to be an interview that deals with that. It's something and I would like to see. I'd like to see a lot of le- uh, people doing a lot more innovative game design that uh d- that where they don't need to um make a, a game that sells a million copies. It's okay if you make a game, you'd be a lot more innovative if you're only aiming to sell 100 copies, I think.
0: Yeah, we're done. We already said here we go.
1: Goodbye. Oh. Chasing the dragon. Chasing the dragon.